We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bina Rita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hushnot. What's shaking, nerds? Hey. <laughs> it's a it feels like it's a fairly mellow start to the week. That's good. Yeah. I think Cable summed it up best when he said, It's a Tuesday. Mm. I mean, it, it is both true, and it seems to be a statement of the times. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday going to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my God. It has taken exactly three seconds for someone in the chat to say, so Q's got a big one, huh? Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know if Cable saw that thread. Yes, I did. I 100% did. I mean, I've <laughs> seen the story. I have, haven't seen Q's I, Q. Right. I have never heard that story until this morning. It completely, I think the best part was the, without missing the bait, Kenneth Mogru said, oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) They've been friends for years. They were friends long before Trek. Oh, I know. I mean, they both came up in the TV trenches, you know, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) what happens in network TV stays on network TV. Sure. That's (laughs) entirely likely. Was she a soap opera person? No. I know Delancey was. Mulgrew? I'm sure she was. I'm sure everyone in that era has done it before, you know, so. There's a surefire way to find out. I'm checking right now. (laughs) Okay. I'm, well, we're, while you're looking that up, I want to get one tiny beef out of the way here. Um, Okay. Small cows especially since everyone keeps using the phrase, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. I can't, I I look forward to things to go back. And I'm not a monster. I understand that there is a difference in what people mean when they say, I want things to get back to normal. It means they, I've missed the connections that I have with people. And I'm looking forward to actually being in the same physical space with people I love and cherish and want to be around. Yes. When they say that's the normal they miss, I get that. And I, I know that. But the majority of people, when they say that, mean they want things to go back to the way they were, 
which means higher traffic volume, weekly shootings, generally being dicks to each other, and engaging in capitalism willy-nilly until we destroy everything. And to that I say, fuck normal. We are not going back to that. Right. By the way, if um, if that is included in part of your definition of, you know, the undesired normal, um, or the normal that other people just, glom, you know, tie that into, the shootings things is already back, so... No, I know. Like, all of this is back. Everything that I've just said, has I've watched take a rise in the past three weeks. Like, people are extreme dicks to each other. There's too much traffic. Um. Like there are honkings, there are sirens every day. You can hear some of the traffic that's been passing by the window. It's it's garbage. Yeah, I I, I got every, nothing. I don't know. Every, well, also, I'm trying to think everyone about. still needs to stay home until June. Wear your masks, get your shot, stay home till June. Knock this shit off. Period. Period. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> also, I want to apologize right now, people who watch this on YouTube. Uh, you're going to see me blowing my nose a lot, and there's not a whole lot <laughs> I can do about it. So, <laughs> so that's with me pay on real money for that. You know what? Fine. If you want to enjoy that, I'm I'm on like prescription strength allergy meds right now. Like my doctor was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna double up everything for you." Like, okie dokie. Which makes it fun because the first hour or so after I take the pills. I feel like drunk and stoned. Like I kind of wobble. Everything's kind of like when you turn your head and the world goes, well, let me catch up. Like, like mm-hmm. it's a lot of that. <laughs> Maybe you should stagger the different medications. No, she said, take it all at once. I don't mean like, don't take all of them every day, but you know, like if, if, you know, like let's say they were all medications you took once every 24 hours, take each yeah. one at a different time of day each day. Yeah, this is my this is my eight AM medication and this one I take at noon and you know okay. what I mean, right? But but the person with the PhD said take them all at once. Oh what? <laughs> I've had it up to here with people who think they know everything because they have a PhD. Smooth. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, no. Uh, Kittens yeah, got clouds obviously- today. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, do whatever your doctor says, but it might—I I don't know—it makes sense to me. Like, if you're getting a weird reaction, to sort of not take them all at the same time, so that they each separately have a chance to start doing their thing. I think really what it is, is I have real Sudafed again, and my body hasn't had that in years. Mm. So, uh, really quick, Ryan's Hope was the soap opera she was on from '75 to '89. Yeah, Look at that! Yeah, and yeah, Sax right. She was also Columbo's wife. Yes, she was. Yeah, that's a show I would love to come back. As Columbo? a as yeah, as a reimagining of Columbo. I don't really know anything about Columbo as oh, it's, a it's magical. I don't know if you'd like Columbo. I kind of think his. I kind of think Peter Falk would annoy the hell out of you. Well, no, no, like literally, back up. What is the show about? Oh, it's a, a private detective. Yeah, who he is very unassuming. To the point to where it's annoying how unassuming he is. He drives a horrible car that barely works. It's Peter Falk. He always has what? The same trench coat cable? Like the mm-hmm. same fucking brown PI trench coat. 
<clears throat> and he basically solves the murders by he tend you get the impression he tends to know who the killer is within the first 15 minutes mm-hmm. and Columbo always starts by showing you the murder like you know who the murderer is right off the bat it's all about how Columbo breaks <laughs> the suspect and he does it by basically annoying them and it's always one more question uh now let me get this straight he just <clears throat> he just annoys them into confessing but in, like in the most charming, he what you finally realize towards the end is he's always got him dead to rights. Like he's also a brilliant detective. It's just the way he goes about it. The I think the best way to to describe it for the modern audience is Monk is the spiritual successor to Columbo. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But without the without the unassuming. Uh, bumbling detective who's actually really smart it's yeah they, they replace that with i have uh, I, i'm anxieties not, i'm yeah i'm not neurotypical but i'm right. also still a genius yeah no that's true yeah that's totally monk like he's mm-hmm. and it's that thing or uh columbo uh no one everyone underestimates columbo when he is assigned to a case because you look at him you're like this guy that's who they sent to come after me I'm no a, one takes him seriously. Yeah, no one does, like ever. Um, and Peter Falk just plays him brilliantly. He's just wonderful. Which I'm going to throw <sighs> back to something that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. I know you hate this particular part of this, Aaron, but I think that was part of the idea of casting James Corden as the insurance inspector in Ocean's 8. Oh, I yeah. saw that. Affable and goofy. And it's like, this guy's no good at anything. And yet he knows exactly who's done what he, but he also knows what he can and cannot prove. I can see that. I should, re, I should revisit Ocean's 8, see how I feel. It's, I, I think it's good. Watch. Yeah, I think I got annoyed the whole idea of the detective to begin with. I was like, I just want to see the heist and then watch him get away with it. I don't, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted. But that's all I ever want from a heist movie. You know, set up the plan, pull out the plan, get away with the plan, you know. Yeah, except that's not how the plan works. It's, I know, make the plan, execute the plan, wait for the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. And then, re- wait, no, and then reveal your other real plan, your other real secret plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is part of the plan all along. Right. That was the, the first plan was just the fake plan to throw everyone off my scent. That's true. Mm-hmm. I just love that part with the amazing yen on the first one. Where the fuck you been? <laughs> the one fuck you can get off and you can get away from in the PG-13 movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would enjoy Columbo then. Just the sort of like, I'm smart, but I'm not kind of but, a thing. Hmm. I don't even know it's, where Columbo's streaming. I don't think it is. But I, I watched that um, HBO, like, it's basically it was a prequel to the Perry Mason show, also called Perry Mason. Yeah. That, that was, was a... great. I loved that. Felt, that that felt really odd. I had to, it took me a few times to get into it. I had to finally remind myself, this is not the Perry Mason that you're used to at noon on coin six for the last, you know, <laughs> decades, right. and, you know, uh, and once I, once I put in that mindset, then it, then it played for me. Um, I don't, I didn't really, I mean, I still don't know that much about him, but I, I 
you know, I was, I was led to understand that this is basically like the Perry Mason that everyone knows and loves. This is how he got to be that guy. Yeah. And apparently mm-hmm. it's, it, he was closer to the books than the, than the show ever did. I, I heard that also. So yeah. Oh, yeah, they but do a lot know. of really good uh, background uh, or behind the scenes stuff, you know, cause it's HBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Um, anyway, <laughs> Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. Uh, although speaking of her, they just released the first animated image of her as Janeway in Prodigy. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And that's going to be the Nickelodeon Star Trek, correct? Yeah. So yes. apparently Paramount Plus will get it 24 hours before it drops on Nickelodeon. Like that's the deal. It's a Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. So like, say it comes out Friday at whatever midnight for Nickelodeon or, or like it, it plays on Friday morning on Nickelodeon. It'll drop Thursday slash Friday at midnight on Paramount Plus, as I understand. Okay. So. Yeah, I got no idea how that's going to play. All I can think is that for some reason in my head, I feel like Janeway is going to be almost like an EMH on this ship. They, she is. Oh, she, she is? is? They, oh, okay. They explained it in one of the, in the panel where they revealed that image. Oh, she, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, she's basic. It's, but it's not for medical. It's for training. Right. Because it's a training ship that's lost, basically, from what I remember. They are going to end up in the Delta Quadrant. Oh jeez, and uh, and yeah, instead of instead of having a a, a what's a prototype of an EMH, they have I don't know if it's a prototype or just just the way they do it at that point in time, but they, they will have a uh, hollow captain for for training purposes. Right. Uh, anyway, oh, Sack just, just mentioned something that's going to annoy us. I knew it was coming. I think you read it relevant too. to our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, mm-hmm. Our account, Multnomah and Clackamas are back to high risk start as of Friday. Also, why, why, when you want to escalate the, the risk level, why do you put it off for n- a number of days? People the only thing be, I can think is to give like restaurants time to, to switch gears. Yes. Yeah. But that sh- that leeway that leeway of like their business of business practices that's what should be given a, a number of days the risk setting should be initiated immediately so that people patrons recognize and know like no sorry you know i can't do that it, well the whole reason why we're back in it is that patrons don't care yep there's that uh it, it's it's also this is what we've been doing now for close to a year that we have not stopped to figure out that there are better ways to do this or like all of that implementation needed to come from the executive branch on down and and you're talking federal level yes yeah like it should have been a presidential mandate that then goes to the state level and state governors make that a state mandate that each city and township then has to have their mayor uh, enforce that. Right. And too much of the damage was done during uh, the last guy's administration um, to undermine all of that. So like they're trying to make an infrastructure work that is half broken. Yeah. 
Well, and the only the only solution that anyone can think of in order to like keep the economy up is to let make everyone go back to work. How else can we help people with their financial problems? Yeah, tax billionaires. I know we tax billionaires. I feel like even on this show, we've had this conversation multiple times. Like yeah. the answer is never going to change. I I think. Uh, to kind of guide the conversation back to what we wanted to talk about today. Yesterday was first contact day. Yeah. Everyone should have had salmon. We did. I made salmon. Do you guys make salmon? I saw that. No, 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 we I was, we don't need salmon in my house. That's true. And I had a mad craving for hot dogs. So I made the most <laughs> like wanky, like fancy, fancy hot dogs. I love putting that up. Um, I always forget what it's called. The seaweed. It's the Japanese. Purakake. Purakake. Yeah. It's so good on hot dogs. Uh, (laughs) I would say that Zephyr Cochran would want you to celebrate First Contact Day however you feel is appropriate. I did do a shot of tequila and dance to Ubi Doobie. See? That's great. (laughs) Ubi Doobie. Ubi Doobie. That might be one of my favorite parts is him trying to dance with the Vulcans while he's pouring, trying to get him drunk. I, mm-hmm. And then look at that Volcom he sits down like, oh, great. This was my first contact. Fantastic. Like I'm I'm going to, <clears throat> like I've already had a sip of this horrible liquid. I'm yeah. going to drink more of it because I, I can't think of anything else to do. They might like it. Do? Do Vulcans like tequila? Is that canon? No, he, he clearly is pouring them whiskey in that one. Oh, okay. Um, um, but anyway. But, and they um, might. <clears throat> yeah, Agave grows in deserts. Vulcan's basically a desert. It is true. Yeah. Anyway, that's, a... um, that's some good logic there. So I, I've been looking at the timeline. Like this is the first, like granted, this is the first year I've celebrated First Contact Day, but it's also the first time since the movie came out in 96 that I've realized First Contact Day is in 42 years. I know. Which is feasibly within our lifetimes i'd be 92 i'd be 70 something it's in 2063 i'd be 79 so i'll be like 85 Mm -hmm. the problem is that we have to survive world war three which is possible (laughs) <laughs> that's when people go well we didn't have the eugenics wars we didn't have time ah, so that but we did yes we did yes we did also it was just happening quietly it's also called yeah. white supremacy and what? it's still going on it's not white i've never stopped to think about the fact that <laughs> yes technically we've already had situations that could be referred to as uh eugenics war and now yep. i'm yeah really sad and then it's like, oh, well, we haven't had the Bell Riots. What do you think we're in the middle of right yeah. now? This is the Bell Riots. Yeah, just longer versions of it. Yes, and more widespread, which yes. makes it more realistic. Yeah. there's um, Real life has a bigger budget. <laughs> I mean, not anymore. No. Trek's got some mad budgets now, but back mm. in the day. You know, back in the day, if you were going to film Best of Both Worlds, parts one and two, then you know what? Your next episode, it's going to be in a grape grove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to get a farmhouse and we're going to get grapes. And that's where we're filming the fucking episode. 
just it was just it was like one of the producers' backyards. I, I guarantee it was somewhere just in California. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, although yeah, speaking I'm of that, that now that Picard trailer teaser two season two teaser. Um, oh, they, alluded, they alluded to a lot of things in that. There's a lot, and not just TNG related. No, <clears throat> that so that was the Stargazer. The Stargazer. Uh, I think that portrait of the Enterprise is very intentional. Mm-hmm. That's an that's like a that's an older Captain's Ready Room portrait. <clears throat> um, there was also that tablet, that broken stone tablet when they're doing the initial push in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I believe that is the tablet that Cisco broke in season six that released the Paw Wraiths. Oh, interesting. Yeah, from I think the episode's called Reckoning. Mm-hmm. So, if that's true, like that's really fucking interesting. And the, especially panning over the copy of Paradise Lost. Yeah, which is the most heavy-handed hint you could ever fucking do. Mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe Q has referenced Milton a couple times. Also, that feels like something Q yeah. would do. And then, of course, not only the reference to Q, but very specifically the Queen of Hearts. Mm-hmm. Rules through the one who rules the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I even enjoyed the fact that it's a set of cards on a chat. I think I was talking with Bean about this a few days ago when we both decided to quit chatting and save it for the fucking show. <laughs> right. Um, oh, that was yesterday. It was yesterday. Uh, time is meaningless. Lunchtime is meaningless. Flat circle. Yeah. So I think it's actually very intentional that it's a deck of cards on a chessboard. Mm-hmm. So there's always the assumption that Picard and Q are playing chess. And that's never actually really it. It's poker. Mm-hmm. It's the human element. It's the bluffing. It's the faking out each other. It's not chess. It looks like it because Q dresses like the queen, but <laughs> it's my favorite Q. That outfit. A queen. A queen, yes. <laughs> uh, I I really hope that we get the I hope we get the more malevolent Q. I was never a fan of Q as the wacky trickster that they just <sighs> that's not true. John Delancey's always a delight to watch. I mean, he's always fun. I, I feel like eventually Q became an excuse for the Trek writers room to kind of fulfill their own like shitty desire to tell really bad jokes mm. or to be quasi racist. Like, no, it's not us. It's Q. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what Q would do. Like Q is mm. so much above that. You've made him into this bumbling, wacky, wah, wah, mon capitan buffoon. And that's not how he works best. Yeah, so I hope we get a return to that. I hope we get the Q of, you know, all good things, tapestry. Um, yeah, because uh, tapestry, he had humor, but there was a lot of gravitas to that episode. Yeah, it's the all right, Picard. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you your real heart, or you're never going to that Noskin's never going to kill you or stab mm-hmm. you or whatever. And yeah, here you go. Here's your life. Um, but I have, I have two things there. Um, Oh God, and now I'm going to lose track of both of them. <laughs> uh, there were a couple more 
in my mind, they were not like specifically like Star Trek Easter eggs, but they were some overt hints about what to expect. There was the hourglass mm-hmm. on the desk with the sand running up, i.e., like the, you know, in, in theory, like reversing time, and the fact that the the whole teaser starts with time is the final frontier. Yeah. Um. So, um, I was thinking there might be some. I, I, it would almost be kind of silly because Discovery already did that, but it, it, it's. I I think there's a chance that there might be some time traveling aspect, or maybe even just something like you were saying the other day is like revisiting the past. Yeah, I've got especially with that comment about like like going over in your head <clears throat> the things that you the choices you didn't make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially that. Yeah, Picard's got a new body, but they said like he's still going to age normal. So if he's however many years old, it's how many years he still has left. Mm-hmm. The body isn't a reset for it. And when you get to be that age, that's when you really begin to ponder, like, what could I have done? What could I have done different? What should I have done different? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's it was touched on in the early seasons of TNG, and then kind of let go, is that Picard has never dealt with his own personal original sin that he himself still carries guilt for. And it's the death of Jack Crusher. He's never forgiven himself for that. Beverly has, Wesley has, he never has. Mm-hmm. And I think that still is his greatest guilt that maybe that's what they're going to start exploring. And and maybe the Stargazer is too heavy handed of a hint, but that's where part of me would want to explore. Like, is that the, and Patrick Stewart gave an interview during yesterday on first contact day, where he said in season two, Q makes his arrival at Picard's most shattering, devastating moment. Oof. As I know it, that's two times. That's the destruction of Romulus and not able to save more Romulans. And it's a stargazer. He's kind of dealt with his issue with the Borg, especially through Picard season one. He's come to terms with the Borg and his actions by the Borg. Mm-hmm. I can't He's come to terms with his best friend dying, with Data dying. So his two biggest ones are still fucking up Romulus, which you could argue has been kind of worked out, and the Stargazer. The, the death of his best friend that he yeah. ordered. He told Jack, "Go, you have to do this. So that seems more likely. I don't know that they've really addressed everything with um, Romulus. Yeah. No, they probably haven't. And I think that's like, intentional. Because that is a much larger story point. Like, you know, we saw an entire planet of Romulan refugees who still recognize him on site and are still pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Right. The other thing I wanted to mention while mm-hmm. we were talking about it was uh yeah, uh I I kind of can't stand Q. I know, like, I, you know, Aaron's over there dissecting, like, the times that he's a better character and times that he's not so much. Uh, and I haven't seen all of the Q episodes, but mm-hmm. I know enough, I've seen enough of them to know that I don't think there's any time that I particularly care for that character. But I like John Delancey because I know the difference. That's true. And that's that's going to be a good thing to revisit later on, I believe. Um, I, d- I think I have mixed feelings about Q. I don't know that I have ever really been 
100% on board. Um, I think part of it is I have a, I have very specific uh, ideas about um, omnipotent and omniscient beings. Mm. And why the fuck would they care what humanity does? I mean, yeah, I agree with that sentiment, but everything about like the Greek and Roman gods is, you know, all powerful, omniscient, om- omnipresent beings who were all up in human business. So there is a precedent for it. There is, and- but the, those are all stories written by people from the stand, the perception of godlike beings of people godlike beings if they exist don't care (laughs) (laughs) why would they what like if you're if you have a mind that can understand the and grasp the infinite or or, yeah sorry the, the See, I can't even parse it because my my brain is limited. I can't think well, the way a, a, an, an omniscient being would because they can think about everything. They are everywhere. They are everything simultaneously. That's the kind of stuff that drives human brains crazy. Right. Um, and so, like, why would they bother with any of our foibles, right. let alone have their own foibles? And I get why we do it in media, because we like to think that greater beings than ourselves would want to watch our drama and our exploits, and maybe they would learn something from us while we're learning something from them. It's it's a great narrative. It doesn't, it also doesn't feel like it's a real thing. No, no, I, I personally am very much of the belief that if there is a god or any number of gods, they don't give a shit about us. Yeah, uh, they're certainly not watching each and every one of us do shit, or you know, like make good choices on a day to day, constant basis. Or they they are watching <clears throat> all of us simultaneously and all letting the time it happen throughout time, because time doesn't mean anything to them. So all of this is happening right now. All of it happened. All of it will happen. Right. Again, but time is what, a flat circle. But <laughs> right. to what? But to what purpose? nothing else to do there's lots to do <laughs> the universe is infinite it's endless yeah i mean i guess you could argue also there could be a thing where maybe the continuum really doesn't have anything else to do anymore so it's let's see what all these species are doing or it's that thing of like we know they're gonna surpass us one day so let's see if they're worthy of it i, I mean there's other i mean there's reasons why and, and I get that that's the conceit of the show is like, well, we, we think that the humans might actually catch up at some point. Yeah. It's that on a much smaller scale, but it's that same, it's that same theme in Enterprise when basically Archer is told by, was it Admiral Saval? Mm-hmm. Of like, humans have done in 50 years what it took other species centuries to do. You scare us. Mm-hmm. Like it's unnerving what humans do when they decide, like fuck it, because <laughs> we're space orcs. 
Yep. It's oh like yeah. You moving too fast. During yeah. the stream yesterday, there was a a funnier uh, iteration of that. It was the episode where uh, Quark takes um, Nog and Rom. They all go to Earth because Nog is joining the <laughs> Federation. Mm-hmm. Little green men. And uh, yeah, they they get they get tra- tra- they get traveled to the past uh, and and are the Roswell incident. But uh, on the ship on the way there, Nog is spouting off factoids about the human race and like all of the things that they they've done. And and Cork um, is just like, yeah, they're fucking primitive. And he's like, no, no, no. But they've they've done all of these things in just this amount of time. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. But no, scary. Scary is the right yeah. word. Mm-hmm. And the one you like on that episode too is revealed that like, for as much as you're supposed to look down on the Ferengi as this horrible, hyper-capitalistic, greedy society, mm-hmm. I love that Quark's always like, you know what, Frank and our, we didn't poison ourselves with chemicals. We didn't pollute our atmospheres. We never had a nuclear war and created weapons that would wipe out everyone else. It's that whole thing. Not to say the Frankie system works, but I kind of like his outlook of like, eh, you know what? We did all that. So how bad can our system be? We did all, we got to here too, but without nuking each other, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they did it the good old capitalistic way, which is on the backs of the workers and their families. Yes. But one could argue that they're just constantly exploiting themselves. Yes. Like, no, he, I, I still agree with um, Quark's point. Like, Quark was the greatest um, and sharpest critic of humanity because he was always right. Yeah. He's like, no, I mean, yeah, they've done some great things, but also they used to blow each other up with nuclear bombs. I mean, he made a Vulcan question her choices of being in the Maquis. He's like, where's the logic in selling weapons that you're just going to blow each other up about? And she's like, you're just sorry. You're just afraid it'll cut into your profit. And he's like, yeah, so my way's better. Nobody <laughs> dies and I still make money. <laughs> but I love that Vulcan goes, hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's logical. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can't be mad at that if you're a Vulcan. It's true. Um, so yeah, Picard season two has me very intrigued. Um, jump into That's... the lower decks, or go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh okay. no, I was I was going to go that direction. I <laughs> like I don't know what I expected out of season one, and season one of Lower Decks was such a gift. Like it was the last episode of season one is still probably one of the top ten episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, it took about three episodes. I feel for me personally for them to find their comedic footing. Mm-hmm. Once they realized they didn't have to just fire off jokes every 30 seconds, mm-hmm. that you could let the story drive the humor. And they hit it, that around season three, episode It three. did get a little less manic after the beginning. Yeah. Um, but they still would, like, throw in, like, they would still do a lot of, like, really good rapid-fire Easter egg jokes. Oh, my God. Was it the seventh or eighth episode where they just completely aped the uh, the Enterprise from Star Trek The Motion Picture? Oh yeah, whereas nothing but lens flare. The nothing but le- well, that's the Abrams, <laughs> yep. but that yeah, yeah. God damn! And like the bridge crew, like literally touching each other as they look at the <laughs> at the Cerritos yeah. and 
Oh, yeah, that was, was that episode. That Jeff's was, Kiss. Was that the last one Jeff. also? No, that was no, that the, was uh, that was the holodeck episode. Then that, that was, was the, where we really got into where we started really getting deep into Mariner's God, issues God. with her mother. That was Mariner's therapy when it was amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and being confronted on her own prejudices when what's her name is like you know I, I you know not Orions or pirates and I don't like that I'm dressed this way. I I don't like this. This is not cool. Uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, I, I mean, still, I kind of I kind of knew it'd be funny. I didn't expect it to be that charming of a show. If that makes sense. It it has so much heart, and it is so very much Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I still want answers about Orion's. <laughs> it, it it just fascinates me what they've been doing with. Uh, like clearly in Discovery's season three, there's more of the, the <laughs> we went back to the old ways, but there's something there within the Ryan society that uh, that seems to not want to be that anymore. Yeah, I always got the impression that Orion's didn't really have a, I don't want to say like a society per se, but they have an overriding Orion's always kind of felt like maybe, I don't know if there's a book that's ever explored this, but this impression I get that Orion's have been spacefaring for a long time mm-hmm. and shit went south and completely fractured their culture. So they became scavengers and pirates and smugglers and slavers out of survival. And then that just became their thing because that was easier to do than to rebuild. Because what's the point? It's all going to shatter again anyway. Because mm-hmm. um, I've always liked it that there was the Orion Syndicate and then there was the Orion People, and I always try to see those two very different things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I'd love to see that explored more. Anyway, agreed. Um, yeah, not a lot, a lot to say on Lower Decks other than it looks amazing. I mean, we get <laughs> we get the Mugatu. I love Mugatu. Oh my god. I I can't believe they would do this, and I think it probably is just gonna roar, but I would love the idea if you find out that Will Farrell is the voice of the Mugatu. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Now, now I want that. Watch out for its poisonous horn. Um we got Mariner and uh Riker's daddy issues. Um fighting mm, whatever mm-hmm. the hell that fucking game was where he and his dad could just beat on each other not Percy squares no that's the weird thing that uh bashir plays in his unitard right yes and that like you can apparently <coughs> break b- uh, bones and severely injure yourself possibly die while playing this game it, it seems it seem- like the dumbest game in Starfleet. It does, and it seems like a really horrible combo of uh, fucking racquetball and like high lie. Oh yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah, same rules as racquetball, except oh, the the thing is made of stone and could kill you, like a you know in high lie. Mm-hmm. What is high lie? High lie. It's the. 
I only we have just, so remember in the first Tron? Do you ever see the first Tron movie? No. Oh, so highlight no, is that I've never game. Seen any of the Trons? Highlight is that game where like it's really big in Cuba and like South American countries. It's really big in macho macho countries, which is dumb. It's the thing you wear on your arm, like at this giant scoop, and you have the ball in it, and you like fucking fling it. Yep. And that thing gets flung at like 190 miles an hour, like an obscene amount of speed. And it's not a pliable material. No, it's, it's like stone. clay or some shit. And they all wear helmets, and I don't know. It's like a weird combo of like polo and rugby. It kind of sounds I- like that game they play in um, Battle Angel, which I can't think of the name of right now. Murder know. ball? Is that what it's fucking called? I thought so. I I could be wrong. I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's called oh, it's considered the fastest game in the world. Motorball. Motorball. Okay. Yeah, the game looks terrifying. I don't know how it works, but it looks terrifying. Motorball, murder ball. You, you get where I, where you get confused. <laughs> So, yes, that's that's the game Bashir likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's uh, so we really only got like we say trailers, but these were just teasers. These were just teasers. Like, like none of them were. It's nothing but none of them were a full minute. Yeah. No. So then we get uh, disco season four. It's so weird to think. Well, the Maybe because it could. Well, may, well, no, I think it's because the seasons are so short. Mm-hmm. That my brain goes really season four, but there's only been you know thirty episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah, modern seasons. Right. Um, I don't know. Looks cool. There's a wave that's going to destroy the galaxy again. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm just here for them fucking uniforms, man. I, I love them. Love them. I'm em. glad they went back with the color blocking. Me too. I didn't mind the gray, but damn it, I want color in my. Tra- I want that. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there's already enough gray in that show. <laughs> they live in that gray zone. They do. Um, I don't know. When I saw in the trailer, in the teaser, he might eventually, but I don't think we're going to get Saru in the uniform for a long time, if ever again. The There's a shot of the close-up where you've got um, Burnham at the front. Mm-hmm. In the background at the science station, there is a tall Kelpian in red, but it doesn't look like him. It's hard to tell. It's yeah. it's very fuzzed out, but it's clearly a Kelpian, and right. it's and there's only so we only know so many of them. Yep. Um, Try to find that shot now. Half Cardassians. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's established. I don't remember when that Cardassia does join the Federation. They kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, there's not much left. Not the last time we saw it. No. No. That's. Um, I guess I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that. We really haven't seen anything of Cardassia since the uh-uh. the fall, since yeah. the Dominion War. Same with uh, Bajorans. Bajor went largely un- unscathed, right? Because they didn't join the Federation. That was the whole point when Cisco was like, don't join. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they had joined, the founders would have burnt that planet. Yeah. 
yeah, their their neutrality is what kept the found the Dominion away from attacking. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would have tried to conquer it eventually, but it didn't make them a priority. Right. Um, uh, it looks like uh, I'm forgetting characters' names, but it looks well. They probably hinted that if it, what's his, what's their name will be made flesh, brought back in the way. Gray. Gray. Um, mm. Played they by Ian said Alexander. That, yeah, and they kind of said that was always the plan. Like, that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to tell because there are too many quick shots. I was trying to see if Tilly had an extra pip on her uniform. I'm sure. I like, I like her as number one, but for the love of all that is holy, make her a lieutenant at least. Come on. <laughs> Cut her a break. What is she, Harry Kim? Ah. Harry Kim 2. Harry Kim 1 died. I always forget that. That's right. That first Harry Kim, he would have been promoted. <laughs> oh, man. I was two days away from promotion. Oh. Yep. And that was uh, replacement Harry Kim and replacement Naomi Wilder. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Stop it. Accidentally clicking links. I don't want to click right now. Yeah, Norm just said last time we saw Cardassia, it was broken. Yeah, it was hella mm. broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, Martok wanted to do more breaking. Yep. Yeah. Martok was feeling the old ways. <laughs> oh, God. Sack. Sack is on fire with the one-liners today. Hip slips. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's pretty good, Zach. <laughs> you wouldn't want a pip slip. I also want to know, and I hope it's somehow addressed. So they haven't hinted, they haven't mentioned fucking Klingons at all since season three of Discovery. Nope. Like no mention of them, nothing. Because I think they need to figure out what they're going to do with them. Yeah. Like I, th- I think that is Saru, by the way, in that background shot. I finally found it. In red? Mm-hmm. That means he's taken a command role again? Yes. Yeah. I don't think he took a demotion. No, no, but was he... I guess he was never science. He was always command path, huh? He was science on um, the Shenzo. Shenzo, yeah. Um, speaking of which, that's the one thing we didn't get. No hint about this legendary Section 31 show. <laughs> that is yeah. allegedly still happening. Interesting. It didn't even occur to me that they didn't mention it at all. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh has been a busy woman. Yeah, part of me thinks that's what part of it is, is that they got Michelle Yeoh, you know, in season one of Discovery, and they fucking love her because who doesn't love Michelle Yeoh? And they're like, we got to give her a show. All right, what show? Uh, Section 31. And they announced it, and they're like, okay, now I guess we have to write a Section 31, but she's busy like all Mm. the time. What do we do? I think the showrunners are writing it. Yeah. Because they were executive producers on um, season three of Discovery. Right. Uh, We didn't get a teaser for Stranger Worlds, which makes sense because I think they just started filming within Mm -hmm. like the last three weeks. So Mm. um, I bet we get... If I was a betting man... 
I bet we would get a Strange New Worlds teaser when Lower Decks wraps. Because we're going to get Lower Decks, Disco 4, and then Picard is next year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a Strange New Worlds teaser when Lower Decks wraps up. Like, Because it'll be like, whatever. In two months, then you get the Disco 4 trade, like real trailer. And then it says, but then also coming, probably get a real Picard trailer. And then they'll be like, and just wait. And then that's where you get the Strange New Worlds teaser. It's still not scheduled to come out until 2022. Yeah. And they just started filming. Um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a good time to be a Trek fan. I'm, I'm happy. It's, it's, it's been a good feeling. And mm-hmm. so far, they've all been quality. Oh, and they talked about the Nichelle Nichols documentary. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I saw a still for that and went, oh, okay. I'm on board with that. That was, was... I think that was maybe one of the longest panels yesterday. And wasn't that partially crowdsourced also? That I didn't pick up on. I don't know. Or there are competing documentaries about her now. Hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is the yeah. only one I've heard of, and it was yesterday. Okay. Is it The Women in Motion? Yes. So apparently that already had a limited release, too. Hmm. Oh. Like a limited... Ver- well, but it happened in February of this year, so it's not like they could do a whole lot about it. Uh, yeah, Shout Factory did it. Okay. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it was partially crowdsourced also, I believe. Which is cool. Um, speaking of which, Voyager t- uh, cracked the one million, the Voyager dock. Really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the big deal on that is they're going to get, that's going to allow them to do a lot more stuff with Kate Mulgrew, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they will also be able to uh, HD. Uh, all the all the scenes will go... Uh, there's a there's a parent there's like an a, an asterisk to this, um, but they will be able to have all the Voyager shots in HD. The asterisk being is they have to get Paramount slash CBS to agree, but I can't imagine them saying no to that. I think they'd have to take in a very egregious stance. Yeah, about... especially since DS Nine did it. Yeah, you know, and this is the same production crew. Hmm. Well, that will be fun to watch. I'm glad that they met their yeah. goal. Yeah, that's really cool. It's always fun when uh, Kickstarters that you know of and enjoy hit their, hit their goals and then exceed it greatly. Yeah. Uh, Cable, think we'll ever get an Enterprise documentary? No, I don't. <sighs> uh, because I don't know that the fan base for that is as... I don't know. I think they're like, as as uh, like I think they're still faithful to the show, and but I just don't know that there's enough. Yeah, I know. People you show me try- one person who is as touched, like in their soul, by Enterprise as anyone was for uh, you, know, you know TOS, TNG, out there. Voyager, even Voyager. They're out. Well, clearly Voyager is a million dollars. They're out there. Look, every Trek is someone's favorite Trek. Even the animated series is someone's favorite Trek. 
This is true. Enterprise, though. I mainly just want it so that we can get a lot of Manny Cotto just being really annoyed that Berman and Braga boned him. <laughs> well, they, uh, they can talk about their shitty series ending. <laughs> I, I, I would pay for a documentary just to have 25 minutes of unfiltered Jolene Blaylock. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I know I know Coda was a big he pushed hard for her to be able to take control of her character. And, and it and it clearly shows. Yes. <laughs> when the episodes that she's in control and she's allowed to be the Vulcan that she was playing, she's great. Right. Um when she's just there to be Hi Candy. Tits and ass for Star Trek, it it doesn't work. Right. It's frustrating. No. Like, yeah, the more that anyone learns that it's like, oh wait, she's she was a major Trek fan. She loved Star Trek. And then that was how she, that was her experience. It's just frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Just saying, if they do it, you would have to call it. It's been a long time. Not long enough. How dare you? How dare you? I I feel like they would actually just go for the the more obvious play and call it Faith of the Heart. (laughs) I'm good with that too. Um, how did they come up with the name? What we left behind. That's a uh, to something, right? The final episode, what we what you leave behind. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are they calling the Voyager? I don't remember. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> Norm just said you could watch it with a tray of Bakulava. No, uh... get out. Oh yeah, apparently Norm. Norm is one of the Really Norm Enterprise is your favorite? His favorite? Your favorite Star Trek or you just you're just a Bacula fan? I didn't quite I didn't quite pick well, up. Well, that's that's understandable. I thought he just likes making Bacula references because Bacula. That that and Delta Shift jokes. That's his new jam. Apparently they're calling the Voyager documentary to the journey. Looking the back what? at Star to the to the journey. Looking I, back at Star Trek Voyager. Because I think that's what Janeway toasted when they got back. Uh, or I think that's something Janeway had said to the crew before. To the journey. Sorry, it was a bad Janeway voice. I apologize. <laughs> I feel bad. Actually, I really like Kate Mulgrew. I've liked her in everything she's ever done. That was a season one Kate Mulgrew. I know. Janeway you know what my favorite Kate Mulgrew is? Which is what I always default to. Mm-hmm. Uh for me, or- Orange is the New Black is mine. Just the angry yes. Russian. Oh my god, yes. That's, that is my up. favorite Kate Mulgrew. It's also the most time I've ever got to spend with her. Um, but she's just brilliant in that character and and the story is, you know, has a lot of pathos to it. So She was the only reason I liked that show. I, I mean, I eventually had to cash out. I couldn't take it anymore because it just became mm-hmm. too ridiculous. Natasha Leone is probably my favorite part of that show, but Kate Mulgrew is, is she really... She really calls it. 
And I've talked to you before, my, my other problems, it's hard for me to watch prison shows because I know that's not how they work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard for me to disconnect that. You have a favorite Natasha Leone cable? Oh, Russian Doll. Mm. Oh, man, that show is brilliant. I can't wait for that to come back. Is it coming back? They're doing a second season. I don't okay. know. I did not know that. They are because they mentioned from like the same setting, but from someone else's point of view, I think is what they talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, shit. Uh, Sack mentioned uh, for Kate Mulgrew, I guess his favorite is NTSF SUV. It's a, um, it's just a bunch of letters because it's a parody show on um, Cartoon Network, you know, like their late night adult stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's a parody of police procedural police procedurals. It would right. have to be. Unique yes. New York. Unique New um, York. And she's in that. She wears an eye patch. That's all I know. Oh, that's cool. But I, I have been tempted to watch it because she's in it. <clears throat> that's. I think it would also be fair to, for anyone to say that you know her role in. Remo Williams is their favorite. Oh, that's right. What? Oh man, it is. Was a... Remo Williams the adventure? The adventure begins. Yeah, it and then is... never. It's a ridiculous eighties um, action movie. Eighty-five. It's, yeah, it was a comic book come to life type of adventure. I yeah. Oh my God! Dick Clark produced it. <laughs> of course awesome. he did. It did have Wilford Brimley, uh-huh. and it had uh, Joel Gray in Yellowface, oh. and which is just a difficult part to swallow. <laughs> yeah, and I it's. That, oh, I'm sorry. I, I think that's why I, I I didn't watch it until I was an adult, rather as, as a kid. That was the first movie that I went. Wait a minute. That man is an Asian. What? <laughs> As Master Chuin? Yes. Yeah, I remember like, I think it was Orion Pictures because it's based on the Destroyer, like these 150 novels, 150 novels. Yes, that's what it's based That on. are just really bad, like toxic masculinity. Like I have to shoot, punch or stab my way out of it. They're like, they were kind of the last of like the adventure action man dime novels you used to be able to buy mm-hmm. and they're so bad and i think orion thought they were buying like the next bond franchise and this movie made no attempt to make it serious at all <laughs> i kind of would love them to do a sequel <laughs> just called the adventure continues uh, I, I don't know that fred Wharton is is just He's still alive. He's still alive. That he's uh, quite he's up seven, to being he's seventy-eight. Remo. Yeah, no. in a weird I mean, way, how, that's what makes it funnier. How old is Sir Patrick Stewart? Yeah, but something tells me Sir Patrick Stewart has lived a healthier life. He also works out. Yeah, and smokes a lot of weed. Allegedly, that's young. He's a celebrity. He can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, a, that's not an that's not an endorsement. That's just the culture we live in. He's also Sir Patrick Stewart. That's usually what gives him that. Knights also can do whatever they want. 
That's what they thought. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just realized, though, do you think there was a moment while filming Picard that when, when they were done filming for the day, like he and Frakes just lit up and just smoked each other out? Like, because Frakes has been known to enjoy it. He doesn't come for pain issues, but. I was say, you bet your ass Jonathan Frakes smokes. I just love the idea of the like it, them and like Stuart or Frakes' trailer just lighten up and fucking eating pizza <laughs> and just talking about the good old days, just fucking token, like, like smoke coming out of the trailer. That's going to be like my next tweet is like, dear Jonathan Frakes and at Pat, Sir Pat Stew, uh, please let me smoke you out and just hang out while I watch you two be high and weird together. <laughs> Reminiscing about the good old days. Because I think, yeah, because I think there's that video of like Patrick Stewart's like in the bathtub and his wife records him high. <laughs> and he's playing with like, a, he's playing like with a stuffed animal or something. Or with his dog, it's precious, but he's clearly baked. Oh, hold on, hold on. Sidetrack side here. Sack yeah. uh, is asking if uh, if we're all familiar with the story about how Patrick Stewart learned that he isn't circumcised. Oh yeah, and and I am both appalled and need to hear this story right now. Like, can we call Sack in right now to tell the story? No, but when we wrap up the show, I will play you the video. No. <laughs> Because he reveals it on the, he reveals it on the Graham Norton show. Oh my god! Okay, next to Hugh Jackman, it's hilarious. Oh wow! Um, were they, were they doing like promos for the X Men or something? Uh, for Logan, probably Logan. Logan, yeah. yeah. Well, well then, I don't know where to go from here. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. With some of that Trek nerdery out of the way, this is a perfect time to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. First up, of course, is Guardian Games. I are our <laughs> longest sponsor since this wasn't even a podcast. Guardian Games has been there. Um, you can find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. If you, you know, if you're excited about all the new Trek coming out, but you're like, man, I wish I could have new Trek adventures right now. Well, you can, except you're going to be the storyteller in a way. Guardian Games has a wide selection of Star Trek um, miniature games, RPGs, board games. And the only thing they don't have yet is a dice game or a dedicated card game, but I'm sure that's coming. Um, but yeah, there's the Star Trek Attack Wing. If you want more of a tactical ship-to-ship combat, there are various Star Trek board games, some designed just for Star Trek. Others are kind of like layers, like there's a Catan, Settlers of Catan Star Trek that has a neat variable that's pretty fun. And of course... The Star Trek RPG from Modiphius. I've been playing it for a little over a year now. It is a lot of fun. And then just within the last couple of months, the Klingon source book came out. And that's not just like a little source book to add flavor if you have the Klingons in your Star Trek game. It's designed to also play a straight up Klingon campaign. It's very cool. This is easily the greatest Star Trek RPG that has ever been put out. Which granted, not the highest bar to set, but Modiphius really knocked that out of the park. And all of these can be purchased at Guardian Games. And of course, you know, Star Trek's not your thing. They have every other kind of, you know, genre or franchise. If if your favorite franchise has been turned into a game in one form or another, chances are very high that it's going to be at Guardian Games. Um, even stuff you may not think people would care about anymore. Like you're going to see like, oh, what is it? There's a, there's a, what? I can't think of it. Now that I said anything you could think of, I can't think of any. But trust me, they're there. And they're all at Guardian Games, 345 
Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you are there, please thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like our next sponsor, Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Uh, like I said with Guardian Games, if you want to read all new adventures in the Final Frontier, Bridge City Comics has a huge selection of not only current uh, Star Trek books, but by IDW. In fact, the current Star Trek title, the main one, is basically year five of the original five-year mission with Kirk, Spock, and Bones. And I've been enjoying it. I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but it does some some decent deep diving into the uh, the original series. Pretty cool. You will not be disappointed. Um, and then, of course, there's all the the trades from the past of Star Trek stories back from the old, I think, like old Gold Key comics days, and then Marvel, and then DC, and then Malibu, and then back to IDW. Lots of Star Trek comics you can pick up at Bridge City Comics. And, of course, lots of any other comics you can think of. It doesn't matter what genre it is, you will find your story at Bridge City Comics. If you're not quite sure, ask the folks who work there. They will steer you in the right direction, and they will help you out. That is the beauty of a good comic book shop is that they will help you find just what you're looking for, and then maybe surprise you with what you're not. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, Bridge City Comics. Thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. And once again, you're going to hear this a little bit later, but uh, a big thanks to RevNat of RevNat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with equipment so the show continues to sound excellent while we all record in our different areas of town. This is going to be the our normal for a while now, even with vaccines rolling out. Um, it's going to be hard to find a central place for us to record. Anyway, so big thanks to Rev Nat for hooking us up. Reverend Nat, who is, of course, the official um, tasty adult beverage of the current pandemic. He helps the pandemic not be so pandemic-y. <laughs> anyway, big thanks to Rev Nat. Let's get back to the show. Okay. Yep. I think it's salmon bucky time. Yeah, salmon bucky time. Salmon, salmon bucky time. Everyone be nice to fucking. Yeah, do we want so, to start with that or end Kurt with that? Russell's part? kid. No, let's, let's start with I, it. Start with it? Okay. That's what I think. That so, way we end on a positive, not on an angry. Well, that, mm. that makes sense. So I want to address this. Start to. Basically, this is not a new thing. We've talked about uh, toxic fandom before. I honestly, yeah, I honestly don't know whether or not these are real things that are happening. Um, Not that, like if Wyatt Russell came out and said, yeah, I'm getting death threats. I 100% believe that. If I'm just seeing this as headlines on clickbait websites that I know are clickbait for fans, Mm -hmm. I don't have a hard time believing it's like is this real or are you trying to drum this up to sell clicks to to sell advertising on your website which does happen yes um regardless i i do think fandom in general needs to be reminded that actors are paid to play roles and characters that are not real mm-hmm. and if you hate the character they are playing that means you like the work that the actor is doing because they are making that character as vile and hateable as they need to be. Um, I think the most modern of this re- that I can, that I like pointing to is um, Alina Hetty, 
who is fantastic actress yeah would cast her in anything mm. um and the vitriol that she put up with for years at san diego san diego comic-con and other comic-cons for her portrayal of cersei lannister i mean yeah i mean the poor kid who played her son who played joffrey quit mm-hmm. acting i would too same with the guy who played um Lucius Malfoy quit acting for a long time mm-hmm. because of how badly he was treated by the public because they hated the character, so they hated him. Them. Yeah. And Tom Felton's great. Yeah. Like, I was really happy when they cast him in third season of The Flash. I was sad that he was not going to remain on as a regular cast member. Right. Yeah, he was great. Like, what, what Wyatt Russell has been doing with uh, the character of John Walker, mm-hmm. aka New Cap, aka actually U.S. Agent, right, is fantastic because Absolutely. he is very real, very flawed. I one hundred percent believe that he is that he, the character believes he is doing the right thing, and that he is doing his best to live up to the mantle that he was just handed. Mm-hmm. Which makes him so much like so endearing and yet so annoying simultaneously. It's like, oh yeah, no, I I get it. Your come your heart's in the right place, your intent is there, you're still a dick. <laughs> Especially with uh episode three, like you start to they start revealing more and more of his character flaws, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But are they character flaws? What if you were handed the mantle of Captain America and said, you have to be everything that this represents. Right. I would break under the stress of that. In terms of living up to the original Captain America, they are character flaws because Mm -hmm. you know, who can live up to that, but that doesn't mean that's not to say that they aren't relatable uh, behaviors. Yep. We've, I I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who've, who've been that guy. And they may or may not be proud of it, but they did it. And they did it with good intent, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it makes a, uh, a excellent portrayal of, here's an honest critique of maybe how we are seen by the rest of the world as Americans. <laughs> yeah. Like, we want to do the right thing, but we're, we're not great at doing it the right way. <laughs> no. Oh, and um, there's that whole conversation on the plane where Zemo is talking about, well, the problem is he's an idol. Captain mm-hmm. America is an idol. And when you when you turn someone into an idol, here are all the different bad things that happen. And it basically is a summary of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that I wanted that much Zemo in this show. I didn't expect so good i I love that this portrayal of zemo like oh man he's the exact critic that needs to come in at this he's perfect for that um and i I like the fact that as angry as he makes both bucky and sam they listen to him because they're listening to the parts of what he's saying that are right Right, they are managing to put aside the fact. It's like we don't like him, we don't trust him. He makes us angry, but he's not wrong. 
Right. And that's impressive. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, we're clearly going to get more. That's probably going to make us make him more of a villain in a way, but not, I don't think much, honestly. I will say this. Marvel has done a fairly decent job of actually let me back that up a lot of a lot of creators have started doing like the, the that developing that that villain character but also you like you really understand where they're coming from or you know like okay well this is bad because you want to wipe out a bunch of people but your reason for doing it is kind of good right and they're... uh they're what i <sighs> I feel like the current writers are really taken to heart. The whole phrase is that a villain is only a villain to us. They're the hero mm-hmm. of their own story, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's really playing out in these shows now. And this is the show to do it. Like mm-hmm. they're, I'm not quite sure how they're going to finish these conversations. Um, or if that's their intent is to finish these conversations within the next three episodes. That's the part. That I know there's me. only it's three. Like, there's I know three episodes left, and there's a lot on the table. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be so short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're longer episodes. They're like forty-five minutes each, so that helps. Mm. It always feels close to an hour. Like it really does. Yeah, I mean, even the even Game of later. Thrones never did less than eight episodes in a season. Mm-hmm. Or- but the, yeah, like, but look how that ended. I I do feel that they are really trying to dissect um, patriotism, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, oh man, my brain! Uh, all of the isms that go along with this, like nationalism and. Uh, which is different from patriotism. Yeah, and xenophobia, um, inequities in inherent in capitalist systems. Yeah. Like the, the, the showing of the organization that's been trying, the, the global something repatriation. Global repatriation, yeah. Like in showing what, like what that organization wants to be and what it actually is. Right. Like that was that was very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't seem to be pulling a lot of punches. No, and so far the flag smashers. Well, in episode three, they kind of cross the line when they kill people. They're just you know guards. Like they're not actively oppressing people. And, and she, the logic is, this is the only language that they understand. They think, well, she thinks that she's doing the only thing that's going to to be heard, be understood. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Be, that will get a response. Right. Which, again, is like, I think I talked about at the beginning of the show, is the language that they were using for the Flag Smashers, where it's like, we don't want borders, we want this, we want that. It's like, those are all anarchistic ideals that always get co-opted by fascist movements Mm. because they sound great. You can recruit people with them. And then by the time that you realize that you've become a goose stepping Nazi, it's too late. Yeah. And you're Mm. starting to see that divide that moment in the car when he's like, why did you do that? Now you're seeing the divide of Mm -hmm. 
the idealist versus the someone who's now taking their ideals and twisting and manipulating it for their own power. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, she and totally she's, thinks she's doing the right thing for the right reasons. Well, and she's clearly coming from a place of pain also because losing mm-hmm. her mom when her mom could have been saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, fucking Madripoor. That's a Madripoor. That's a whole. Yeah. How's it going, X Men? <laughs> uh, there was a decided lack of Indonesian people in a country that's supposed to be in Indonesia. Yeah, that's all I have heard <laughs> from Asian Twitter. It's like. Where were the Asians in Magrapur? I mean, I feel like the comic kind of established that it was like way more international because it was a pirate haven. and it be- But the shows have never done that. And the, the show specifically said, this is the part of the world that it's in and the people that live there are not in these scenes. Yeah, and like comic fans understand that. Yeah. But but that is not everyone that's watching these hybrid comics. And that's, I mean, I'll be the first to admit when I saw, you know, as you say, like Asian Twitter get mad about it. I was like, but in the comics, Majapur was always like, oh, wait, I'm coming with 30 years of knowing X-Men books and what Majapur is within the comics. Mm-hmm. That's not been built up in the MCU at all. You've just been told that it's a place off the coast of Indonesia that, oh, yeah, it was a pirate haven. All right, there's not a lot of Asian people in Majapur. <laughs> okay, I get it. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, and and the, and the truth of it is, if if there were a real city of Madripoor that had been sort of de-governmentized because it is a pirate haven, that doesn't mean that all of the local nationals would have departed necessarily. Some of them would just get incorporated into the that new well. Yeah, in the comic, Madripoor is very much, are you an outcast from your society? Come here. Start Mm -hmm. your life over. That's why mutants all go there. Right. But was it uninhabited before that? No. No. It was inhabited. And it it does still have a a predominantly Asian um, populace. I guess true. The comics do show that. But they're also the everyday people. Right. Yeah. And what we saw were- Not the hustlers. (laughs) No, not all of them. And that's like, unfair. Yeah. But also, also very um, colonist. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, it would be. The, the, the people who, the indigenous people are the, the common folk, the, the peasantry, the workers, yeah. And, yeah. and everyone, you know, who lives a nightclub life with stolen fine art is is white or, or there was a lot of black people too. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice a lot of brown people. Um, but they are yeah. all obviously like of a certain financial class. Yeah. Although speaking of clubs, can we talk about Baron Zemo dancing? <laughs> I've seen that gif shared so much in the past. Thanks, so the days. story broke today because they interviewed the actor Mm-hmm. There's apparently like five minutes of him dancing. That's not in the script. That was him doing a scene and realizing he's like, you know what? Zemo has been in prison for how many years? There's people Seven. around him dancing. They were off the clock. You know? No, they were like, and then the actor's like, you know what? I feel like probably, you know, Zemo's been cave, he's been closed up. You know, he looks around, he's kind of feeling the music. So he said, 
I just started dancing. And he admitted, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I'm part Spanish. So some of that Spanish desire to do like a really bad flamenco came out. Apparently their scenes were like, he's dropping to his knees and like shaking his butt. But apparently he didn't tell anyone. And he said, I glanced over and I saw, what's his name? Um, uh, the actors that play Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, mm-hmm. Just losing it. Like no one knew he was just going to start dancing. <laughs> And he's like, I didn't think they were going to use any of it. I had no idea they were going to use any of it. So now there's this whole thread on Twitter right now that's like, release the Zemo cut so we can see the. <laughs> you know, knowing that exists and knowing that that was their reaction, that actually makes a lot more sense about the on screen chemistry between the three of them. Yeah. Like, I've already been enjoying the the on screen chemistry uh, between. Um, you're right. I have forgotten all their names. I know. I feel bad. I'm. It's been a long day. I, just, I know that Zemo I've is just, Daniel Brühl because I really I, like that guy. So. Yeah. That's all I got though. Um, uh, is the German voice of Lightning McQueen in Cars that I found out today <laughs> on right. the German dub? Yeah. Um, but like Sam and Bucky always have a good rapport, and then Zemo just added a completely different element and I'm like I, you guys work really well together oh, really? Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan thank you um, uh, I, I think I'm at the point where I'm like if, I think he should be in the rest of the season I'm going too. to be upset if he's not I mean, at least the next couple that episodes might, that might could be the plan yep. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Sharon Carter potentially being the power broker you know, that seems to be the odds on favorite um, yeah. theory. Um, I know Merrick looked at me and said, so is she the power broker? <laughs> when we and were watching a, it. And of course, the appearance at the end of uh, Oduye, which was awesome. <sighs> I know about oh, Twitter for that. Here. They were like, they were like you're confusing your black women. That is not Okoye. That is Oduye. <laughs> yeah, that's Stop Okoye's it. second. Correct. And... Uh, her charge was Shuri, right? Like Okoye protected T'Challa. Yeah, technically, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I. It was yeah, Wakanda, this... Wakanda's going to want Zemo back. Mm-hmm. Bad. <laughs> the first marble, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And the second marble, I'm like, oh shit, I know what's about to happen. <laughs> well, and the music had a slight by the second or third marble, a slight score like theme from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Like some of the drums yeah. and, and rhythm kind of kicked in. Like it's like an undertone of that part of the score. I'm like, oh, well played. I miss that. Speaking yeah, of which, it, the score of that show is really fucking good. Yeah, it is. Got good music. Yeah, it was that second Marvel that I'm like, I remember those. That's that's Wakandan technology. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is going to get bad. Real, get real bad, but real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think she should just join the party and like... <laughs> It's like the weirdest fellowship of the ring ever. <laughs> so she could also not move her seat up. That cracked mm-hmm. me up. You're not going to move the seat up, are you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so good. That was a great throwback to, to Civil War. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I honestly didn't see so much of that episode coming. I especially didn't expect I, I kept expecting Zemo to run off the entire time. And to have him go, No, I'm I'm going to kill the one guy and then I'm going to help 
facilitate your escape and steal a car. And I thought that was pretty great. I I like the reveal that it's like, wait, you're rich. I was like, yeah, I was a baron. <laughs> uh, is he really a baron? I thought it was just one of those goofy, you know, comic book villain names sort of a thing. In the comics, he was actually a baron. What is he the baron of? A, a barony. I think it's called a baronet. Is it? I think so. Hmm. I, I think the inter- is the so what is a, what is the baron the baron what is a baron the baron of? <laughs> maybe bar- maybe baronet is what they call it when you've been bestowed the title. Hmm. Baronet versus baron is a thing. Mm-hmm. What baronet? Yeah, I was uh, a. Bar- oh no, a baronet is something below a baron. Because um, that's what um, what's his barony name? Barony is both the title and the land held in fealty by a feudal baron. Because what's his name from Crimson Peak was a baronet, but not a baron. Mm. Loki. Oh, I did love that when getting on the plane. Like, you have your own plane? Are you rich? I, I am a baron. <laughs> it's like, That's... have you been rich this whole time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets on his plane and has his own wood house. Oh my god! And how much did I love? Like in Germany, he's like, if it has turned, give it to them. <laughs> it is good to have you back, sir. And the smile on that, yeah, the smile on that guy going, <laughs> okay, Baron, good. It's a funny joke, Baron. Yeah, yeah, he's got a thing with cars. I mean, look, if I was stupid rich, I probably would have a car thing too. I fully admit that. I I do I do want to give a shout out to one of the best cold opens of a show. <laughs> like prison break cold open for okay. that episode was fantastic like no i'm just saying you know something maybe one inmate starts a fight with another inmate and those things escalate why would they start fighting i don't know these things happen (laughs) (laughs) just the outlying of everything and then having zoom walk in is like what the hell like i i didn't tell you because i thought you'd say no um (laughs) here we go which leads me to believe that is exactly how Bucky performed everything that he did in World War II. And every conversation they had with Steve, it's like, so, you know, this could happen and this could happen and, and eventually this would happen. And so that would put us there. It's like, and you can see Steve do- saying, Bucky, that's not a good idea. I mean, theoretically. <laughs> and then it still happens. It's like, Bucky, what did you do? I, I didn't mean, want you to say no. It makes sense because because Bucky Bucky was the one who had to pull off, you know, moderate scams growing up in Brooklyn to keep little mm-hmm. Steve safe. So yeah. Bucky's kind of got that slight little you know, moderate a little bit of a mod- sly dog. Yeah, moderate crimes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for the greater good. The greater good. The greater okay. good. Harmless crimes. 
I mean, it only hurts Nazis, so it's fine. Um, it was cool. I did enjoy the thing where um, Sam in that scene in the bar got to see for the first time really Bucky doing Winter Soldier shit and he mm-hmm. was unnerved by it. Mm-hmm. When he realized like, oh, this is what this guy could do when he doesn't hold back. And even there, he's holding back. Mm-hmm. Right. There was Even a, though Zemo is like, well, it didn't take him long to get back into the swing of that, did it? Yeah, but Anthony Mackie had this quick moment on his eyes when he sees the fight, and it's like, oh, this guy's a killing machine. Yes. And if he ever lets himself go, I'm screwed. <laughs> kind of, that was that look of like, oh, shit. Which makes that conversation more poignant the episode before when he says, if Cap was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, you know, for what is essentially an action thriller show, it's got some smart writing. It's got some heart. I'm really digging it. It really does. Um, and and I think that's what the showrunner... I think it's, like, I've only heard one bit from the showrunner, and that was the fact that it's like, w- when people watch this, they're going to get a very decidedly black superhero show. Yeah. And I think that they have continued to deliver on that where it's like, you are discussing things that we don't want to discuss. Yeah. And you're doing it inside of a superhero TV show. Exactly. And I just, I really appreciate that so far, all of the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, granted we're only in the second one, have all been different, but are still serving a larger story Mm -hmm. in their own way. And I feel like Loki's going to do the exact same thing. Oh man, I'm trying not to pump myself up anymore for Loki, but every time I see more about that, I'm like, this just looks bonkers. It looks we're, like we're, fucking Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, but with like an amoral Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I'm so on for this. You know, yeah, and, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just, I saw the new trailer, and I love that little bit with Owen Wilson. Like using all those metaphors, it's cool. It makes you sound smart. I am smart. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just like you kick back to talk. Talk, 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 talk. <laughs> also, some of those scenes in that second trailer of Loki give off a very strong Douglas Adams Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy vibes with like mm. and slightly Brazil with all the bureaucracy. Yes. I, I need you to sign well. this. This is ridiculous. It started out and I was like, oh, this is going to be super Kafka-esque. But that's like, what is this? That Everything one you've ever said. said. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. That's the, that's the Brazil part right there. Mm-hmm. And waiting in a queue. That's the Douglas Adams. The I Kafka. really thought, I really thought the other guy that's in the TVA jumpsuit that they're waiting in the queue with Loki... I had to watch it a few times to real to convince me it wasn't, and it's not. But I really thought the guy on the other side of the screen was the kid from Deadpool Two. <laughs> it's that not, but I, that would be hilarious if they just put him in there, you know, because he's because he's he's the one that Cable sent back to kill because in the future he kills Cable's family. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the chunky New Zealand kid. Oh, yeah, he's been around a lot lately. I've been keeping it in my prison wallet. Don't ask him what that is. Don't ask him what that is. 
so yeah, it's a good time. Uh, next week we'll be talking about episode four, Falcon Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we've got what? Maybe a week before Bad Batch kicks in. Bad oh. Batch launches on May the fourth. Hell yeah, it does. Yay. I I'm convinced that it is just someone's job at Disney Star Wars to monitor that date and monitor the goings on of at Star Wars so they can go, when's this coming out? Oh, we're shooting for this. Your new target date is this because of yeah. this. Oh, okay. Also, speaking <laughs> of which, I just want to say it's so nice to finally have someone at CBS slash Paramount that realizes that Trek has this thing and they are making first contact day like a thing the way May the 4th is a thing. Like, thank you. Fucking finally. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. How long <laughs> thank before you. breweries have special beer days? Well, in Portland, there's always a May the 4th beers. For, for first contact day. I, that's why, And that's why I'm referencing that. Like, uh, well, like, if only we you knew said someone. You brought, up May, you brought up May the 4th and I was like, oh boy, be fully vaccinated by then. And there's that tap room that <laughs> well, does... That does May the fourth. Imperial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the one. They may not this year because that also requires breweries to do special one-offs, and almost every brewery is in survival mode right now. Right. But for I first know. contact day next year, I wonder if we know someone who does brewing and maybe donates equipment to this show. Somebody hmm. who has his face on a can, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, we might know somebody. That reminds mm. me, I need to put an order in. Yeah. Hey, Denise. Yes. How do we make sure that you're a delivery driver? Order it before, I would say technically before noon on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. If you no. order, if you order or- past like three o'clock, you're almost certainly not going to get it until the next day. But my my Revernat's delivery driving days are Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So if you so, if you order from him on those days or roughly thereabouts, you'll probably see half my smiling face. Or Thursday evening, right? Yeah, if you ordered on Thursday evening. That's when I placed uh-huh. mine and you showed up and later on you're like, I'd rather have carnitas than the tip. <laughs> and you wound up getting both. I did. Woo! All right, noted. Yeah, there. Um, I would hold off because uh, I somebody might have told me that there's going to be a special going on this weekend. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm there not going to say it for him because, well, he doesn't pay you for advertising. He pays me to do work, so that's different. That's fair. <laughs> um, Technically, but, doesn't but pay some... us either. He has donated material because it is actually illegal for a liquor place to have sponsorship. Uh, well, there in we... Oregon under the OLCC. He's not a sponsor. He just helps us out. Mm-hmm. Um, Such a stupid rule, by the way. It is dumb. It's super dumb. Um, but yeah, some there's there's something something special coming out later this week. So mm, this weekend right. is probably going to be a good time to order. I will keep eyes peeled. Um. So we know what we're talking about next week. Um. Merrick wanted me to remind you that April 26th is also a nerd holiday. Oh, yeah. And maybe we might want to watch a specific movie so we can then talk about it on the show the following day. 
Yeah. Since uh, April 26th is a Monday. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Mm. What I got to ask you, Cable, is this going to be a stand-up fight or another bug hunt? <laughs> it's going to be a bug hunt. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hell, that's cool to do. We should remember yeah. that. Yeah, lock that in. Yeah, right. Yeah. I wish we knew someone connected with that, even in comic form, we could have on the show, but I can't think of anyone in the area. Yeah, and all that's at Marvel now, so I don't know. Yeah, um, I just I just picked up the first issue. It's not bad. Wait, first <laughs> that's a, issue. That's a ringing endorsement. No, I got to revisit it. It's it's good. It, it, like so many things, when it, aliens, by the way, people, like so many things with that, that setting in universe um it is not serviced by the monthly issue format it is serviced by complete stories mm-hmm. mm. so but i do like where it's going so far it's kind of neat good yeah i think it takes place like 30 years after aliens so it's mm. it's kind of neat how they do it yeah yeah that's cool well with all that uh I'm Aaron Duran. Uh, I'm Mina Rita. And I'm Cable Hushitani. And we will talk to everybody next week. Watch out for xenomorphs. They're huge. And they spit acid. <laughs> <laughs>